Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody with guest host again, Wajahat Ali. You know him as a columnist at the Daily Beast, and he has a new book coming out. Go back to where you came from, Um, Waj. So let's just say we're pre-recording this show, right? Because it is the holiday. Um, But the last week in America, just crap. I mean, when you, mess. your your book says go back to where you came from. I'm from here, but I want to go back to someplace else. How are you <laughs> feeling? You know, uh, I'm on the edge of hope because as we're recording this, uh, listening to the, uh, the closing statements of the prosecutor in the Ahmad Arbery case, it was much stronger than the Rittenhouse case. I think the instructions were much better. I think it's going to be very hard for the defense to prove self-defense, specifically in Georgia, right? The fact that they chased this man who wasn't on their private property, who was not found uh, having stolen anything and then, you know, accosted him and shot him dead. And so I'm hopeful that uh, maybe, maybe we might get justice. But at the same time, I am slightly frustrated, like I always am, that not enough Americans realize what we're up against with this slow-moving coup and how their right wing is turning more fascist. And I, I mean, I sent you that text. Remember, I sent you that text in the morning. You're like, hey, what do you want to talk about? And I'm like, oh, you and me. Well, by the way, for those who are listening, the last two times we've done this, like uh, Danielle's like, well, I just sit and we'll talk. I have no idea what she's going to ask me. We have nothing prepared. And it's gone well. So this time she's like, you know what? Do you want to talk about something? I'm like, well, it'll be fine. But hey, do you want some more depressing news? A report yes. came out that for the first time ever, America's officially sliding back in its democracy. So. It's stuff like this that also keeps me on edge and makes me seem like you ever see that Jason Bourne movie? Okay, it's like those spy movies where that like that, that's that one character in the first ten minutes figures out that oh no, this is the conspiracy and the coup and the plot, and he puts it on like his his like let's be old his hard drive, and he tries to like like contact James Bond and Jason Bourne. And they're supposed to meet in the railroad station right before he exchanges the file. He like a sniper kills him. I feel like I'm the guy who's gonna get killed by the yep. sniper trying to warn everyone what's coming down the pipeline. So you ask me a simple question. That's how I feel. 
Yeah, I, you know, I have to tell you that I, I after I read the article, and, and let me tell folks uh, what it is, um, Waj had mentioned it's in theguardian.com, and it said the U.S. added to the list of backsliding democracies for the very first time. And so there is the international idea think tank um, has been pointing to visible deterioration that they have seen in the United States, and they believe that it began in 2019. And this is according to um, the Stockholm-based International Institute for Democracy and Electoral Assistance. And they've been doing this type of research to alert us to what is happening around the world. And what I found so striking about this is that I'm like, oh, they thought it started backsliding in 2019 because I was 100% sure that it started backsliding when Donald Trump descended down a fucking escalator in 2015. Mm. And then Mm. I was also pretty sure that it started to deteriorate when we were questioning the birthplace of Barack Obama. You're taking taking the DeLorean really back. I'm just going all the way back. And I would even go back to the year 2000 when the Supreme Court decided who was going to be president of the United States, as opposed to the people that actually voted in the election between Bush v. Gore. So uh, that's a deep cut. You took it back for the young kids are like Bush v. Gore. What's happening? Exactly. And I'm like, no, it is not, you know, uh, a video game. It was actually, you know, the beginning of what I believe was the descent of our democracy, because what they were basing it on was the fact that when we start, when when the legitimacy of our elections start to begin to erode, then that is one of the first red flags, much like in a relationship with someone, <laughs> right? The first red flag, you should never overlook and say, well, maybe they're not really possessive. Maybe they're just really overly caring and overzealous. No, no. Red flag. America's election started to be decided by people other than those that were voting in the electorate. Red flag. Things are not well here. Yeah. And, and you you took it back to Florida in 2000, where the Republican secretary of state and the, had that really funky way of the ballots, the hanging Chad ballots. Oh, hanging Chad's. And remember that? And, and Bush allegedly only got like, what, 535 more votes. So they took it to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court in a very controversial 5-4 decision, then basically gave it to Bush. Gore, because apparently Democrats still care about democratic norms, conceded. It was painful. And for you and me and our generation, we thought it can't get worse in the Bush administration. I'm glad you mentioned that because things were really bad during the Bush administration. Things were so bad. They effed up so hard that this country is like, you know what? We're going to elect a Muslim black man named Obama. Do you know how crazy things had to get for this country to be like, we're going to give it to a black dude. And then they elected the black dude and the white folks who elected him like, holy shit, he actually won. We're never going to vote for him again. And then in the second round in 2012, only 39% of white voters voted for Obama, but he was able to get by on the popular vote thanks to the multicultural coalition that he had created. But we had the war on terror. We had... Uh, unleashing of the uh, Department of Homeland Security, mm-hmm. mass surveillance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Katrina. people being deported. We had the failure of Katrina because there were black folks who were struggling. Uh, incompetence, the lies, Fox News, where Bill O'Reilly back, th- back then we thought was the worst ever. But he makes, now freaking Tucker Carlson makes Bill O'Reilly look like a, like a tame conservative uncle, right? And all the Republicans that you and I, from our, that our generation, were like, this is a step so far to the right, so far from the norm, that hopefully this new generation will come and correct it. 
those Republicans are now called rhinos and are not welcomed anymore in the modern Republican Party. Just to give you a snapshot of where we've gone in 20 years, Danielle, that George W. Bush would not get the nomination in 2020 because he would be seen as a Muslim and a Mexican lover by the modern GOP. <laughs> that, I mean, it, it's, it's amazing because when we look at it and I say to myself, God damn, America has deteriorated fast, mm. right? Like you literally clicked off the last 20 years without missing a beat. And I'm just like, and now we look at George W. Bush and Dick Cheney and we say, God, I miss the good old days. And those <laughs> people brought us into war based on a lie, right? right? Based on, I will avenge my father in George W. Bush, right? And we're going back to the Middle East and this is what we're doing. And it's amazing to me that at that point in time, and we and I remember cursing out George W. Bush. I remember the flyover over Katrina. People are literally dying, right? Mm. Standing on their rooftop, begging for aid. And he did not send in the federal government, but Oprah was able to send in multiple 18-wheeler trucks with water and food, right? So, and we're saying, oh, this is going to be what sends George W. Bush over. No, it's not. Because when we look at it into in comparison of four years under Trump, we're like, God, I would do anything to have Dick Cheney back in power again as the puppeteer, because at least I believe that the man, and this is crazy for me to say, yeah, I know. but I believe that Dick Cheney, I, I, I believe that he believed in the Constitution, that like he knew what it was. Whereas now we have Paul Gosar and Matt Gates like upholding violence and murder and are still members of Congress, even though I Gosar mean, lost his power. But I'm like, but this is where we are. This show is part of From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions. Questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts.
the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. The midterms are coming, and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us. We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent Us, a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. Well, I mean, you mentioned, right? It's like, it's like for those who are listening, just exhale. Me and Danielle are not in any way, shape or form trying to rewrite history and say that the Bush administration was good. We're just saying between a terrible option and a really terrible option, we choose the terrible option, which would be Bush and Cheney if a gun was pointed to our head. And speaking of Cheney, Liz Cheney, Literally, her name is Cheney, who last year was the number three ranking Republican who voted for and supported Donald Trump's policies 93% of the time. The Wyoming Republicans, as of last week, said she's no longer a Republican. Why? Simply because almost dying in a violent insurrection was a step too far for her. So they've kicked her out. And you mentioned Paul Gosar. And let's not even go back to 2000, uh, Daniel. Let's go back to 2019. Because mm-hmm. in the article that you mentioned, 2019 is when they started saying uh, the, this uh, idea said that uh, that's when they started really seeing the backsliding happening. Mm-hmm. At least in 2019, Mitch McConnell and Republican leaders were forced to condemn Steve King, not the author, but the mm-hmm. congressman from Iowa, if you guys remember, was an open white nationalist and became so brazen with it that they forced were forced to come out, basically condemn him. And that dude finally lost his reelection. I feel bad for him. He's probably sitting at home right now thinking like, Hey, man, I should have just waited it out. I'm, I'm as racist as Paul Gosar. And not a single leading Republican leader was able to come and condemn Paul Gosar, who, before he tweeted out that violent video against AOC, also spoke at a white nationalist rally, promoted white nationalist tweets, is a fan of the Oath Keeper movement. And according to Ali Alexander, one of the people who allegedly planned the Stop the Steal rally, he's one of three congressmen who helped him do it. And they didn't condemn him, which can only mean they condone it, they tolerate it, and they support it. And so how does a democracy survive when like the lowest common denominator, like, yo, can you just like call out one of your white nationalist members who posted a crazy anime depicting violence against AOC? And they're like, nah, can't do it. How do we survive? And then we have and, a both sides media. And not, mind- only, maddening. not only do they say, now nah, we can't do it, they are pledging revenge wash mm. right if we get back into power i saw nancy pelosi last week with the gavel in her hand she said this party has no business being anywhere near a gavel right and i think to myself but we have what like a a, a five person margin right now yeah. like we are at a toss-up and this is who they have devolved into we have gone from cheney and bush lying about weapons of mass destruction costing america billions of dollars and thousands of lives, mm-hmm. right? To now just outward violence. You have Matt Gates that said, Kyle Rittenhouse, oh, 
Yes, you got off. Yes, you murdered two people in cold blood and wounded a third. And yes, those people are not able to go back to work because of the trauma and all of these things. But we would love for you to be a congressional intern. Gosar said the same. He got offered three congressmen offered him a congressional internships to celebrate his murder, to celebrate violence. That's where we are. I just like when I think about this, because I said on Woke AF the other day, I said, you know, I was a congressional fellow. Mm. And I can tell you that when I was awarded the fellowship, the pride that I had, the pride that my family had, right? I remember the first day coming up the escalator at Capitol South and looking right at the, you know, at the congressional office buildings, looking at the Capitol and being in awe of it. And to think that just in the time span that we're talking about, Mm. that this, that now the GOP is just outwardly outwardly Mm. championing, throwing parades for, giving internships to murderers. Because whether or not you want to agree with the the verdict in the Rittenhouse case, he's a murderer. He took two people's lives and would have taken a third. Yeah, nobody's a hero there. It's all victim. I mean, it's, it's all tragedy. Like, no one should be celebrated here at all. But the fact that they've made him into a hero and a martyr, then you also have Eddie Gallagher, the Navy SEAL war criminal, who knifed the 12-year-old detainee who got pardoned by Trump, even though his fellow Navy SEAL brother said this man's unhinged. He's a hero. You have Mark McCloskey. We've talked about him, who's running for Senate. He's the guy who took out the gun against the BLM protesters and who got the prime real estate with his wife at the RNC convention. You have Donald Trump, who, again, like you said, while he was running in 2016, openly said, bash him, get him, I'll pay for your legal legal fees. Uh, The Congressman Gianna Forte, who body slam the guardian reporter right still got elected and then you have the oath keepers the far right anti government extremist group and you have republican elected officials who are openly members of the oath keepers and then you have the january 6th violent insurrection where thousands of people felt compelled to use violence to cancel a free and fair election so you have that plus you have the conspiracy theories with as we're recording today several hundreds uh, uh, MAGA and QAnon supporters showed up again in Dallas <laughs> awaiting the arrival, arrival of JFK. Uh, uh, spoiler, he has not arrived yet, nor will he. You have <laughs> you have them believing in the deep state. And then you look at even the language, uh, Danielle, and this is what's the scary part. The language that they're used, and I know you're on Twitter with me, and the emails that I've gone are amazing, to rationalize the murder of these two uh, individuals at the BLM rally, who are white, by the way, guys. They were yep. white. Yep. And so they're saying leftist scum got what was coming to them. They earned it. So if, if you're white and you're listening to this, your white skin will no longer protect you. Yep. Because back in the day, and you like, I'm glad you're mentioning the history of this. This is nothing new. When it came to desegregation, white folks who are allies of black folks were also assaulted and killed by racists because they were called race traitors. Yep. That language has evolved now and now it's become a leftist scum who are against Americans and MAGA and they're openly now advocating violence, asking when they can be violent. And so how does a democracy survive when one of the major parties and movements, many of its, most of its members believe the election was stolen, think that the rest of us are part of the deep state, consider themselves victims and believe it's their right to use assault rifles to walk into a protest rally, shoot people they don't like, and then walk away scot-free. How does a democracy survive? That's my million-dollar question. I mean, and and the reality is, and what is so terrifying, is that 
You know, I did an interview earlier this week, and the reality is this, that they're going to use this as a way to deter people from being allies, mm. from showing up, right? Um, when I did uh, one, of, one of your colleagues at the Daily Beast and I did The New Abnormal, you know, one of the hosts said, I have a friend who has three daughters. She's at every protest. And it said to me that now she will most likely not go. That she is terrified because what if she is killed and then her daughters grow up without a mother? Mm. And I'm saying to myself, so, thi so this is how they win. Because terror. that is what terror. terror that this is what terrorism looks like. It looks like being fearful to go out and exercise your First Amendment right to assemble, right? To show dissent for your government and be able to do so free of harm. I mean, we can't even go to a goddamn uh, a, a Christmas parade in Wisconsin mm. over the weekend. You can't do that without somebody mowing into people and killing several of them. So I'm just like, we are so unstable. And I want to bring up this point that was made by uh, Larry Diamond, an author um, of the book uh, Ill Wins. And Larry Diamond wrote a piece called It, Couldn't, it Could Happen Here in the Atlantic in October of 2016. Yeah. And he said this, Waj, among the most dangerous sins of Democrats in times of trouble are arrogance and apathy. And I want to get your thoughts on that statement, on if you feel like in this moment, this moment of deep urgency, that we are ticking off this timeline, that if you are paying attention to the patterns, yeah. all of these things are showing up, that he says that the, the danger the danger with Democrats is our arrogance and our apathy. What do you make of that? I think it's for a lot of white Democrats, uh, a lot of those who are allegedly centrist or moderate, a lot of those who are allegedly upper middle class or middle class. And the example I would give is the Terry McAuliffe campaign that we've talked about on the show before, where they, I'm telling you, man, I'm in, for those who are listening, I'm in Virginia. He thought he could just waltz in and ran a half-assed campaign and people still came out, but just, you know, they're like, oh, it's getting more bluish. I'm Terry McAuliffe. You all know me. And I'm not going to get in the culture war. I'm not going to respond to this critical race stuff, even though you literally knew from the summer that that's what they were engineering. And you're going to court, you're going to give lip service to the multicultural coalition, which is 40% white, but your base is 90% uh, black, 70% Asian, uh, 65, 70% Latino. That's the truth. That's your base. And we're going to give you lip service. We're going we're gonna to talk about multiculturalism. But when it comes to actually stepping up and doing something on voting rights or something on police reform, we're going to fail because then we're going to be accused of wokeism. And then we're going to use that language against fellow Democrats because we're stupid and self-destructive. And so vote for us anyway. And there's a slow moving apathy. Oh, bipartisanship. I'm Joe Manchin. I live on a house yacht and drive a Maserati. Mm. And I believe in bipartisanship. Mm. And we need the filibuster as the the, the cooler. All right. Uh, and you're sitting there thinking, yeah, it's fine for you, Joe Manchin, as a rich white man in West Virginia, because the filibuster historically has not been used as a weapon against your people to block civil rights progress. And if indeed democracy dies, you will take your millions and live on your yacht or go somewhere. But the rest of us are screwed. And so Joe Manchin sits there and Chris and Cinema sit there and talk about bipartisanship because they can afford to. They sit there and mm. talk about 
uh, let's not kill the filibuster because they can afford to. They sit there and talk about, oh, be calm because they can afford to. They sit there and say, don't be too woke or use words like wokeism or talk about police reform. Put it on the back burner, you darkies, because they can afford to. Right. Meanwhile, the rest of us, and I would say in particular black folks, but then also brown folks, Asian folks, especially in the past 20 years, have been trying to warn our fellow white Democrats. Yep. This is coming down the pipeline. Let's just take it to 2016 real quick. It is not economic anxiety. Yep. It is racial anxiety. You are you. I'm telling you, folks, I was in D.C. I was, ta- I was you know, give talks and you, you go and consult and I'm, you know we daniel will tell you you go you go to these rooms with these gatekeepers and movers and shakers it was mm-hmm. 2016 right before the election and i won't mention where i was but there are a lot of ballers there that you would recognize people who have the ears of many powerful people mm-hmm. and i said regardless of what happens in this election and this is when we thought clinton hey i'm alok the host of build the change a brand new podcast from mac blue about the people at the center of progress Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. What kind of win? You are underestimating the rise of white nationalist violence. And I connected the dots, gave the history, gave the examples. And I swear to you, one of these people who's paid a lot of money and is a professor says, I think you might be onto something. <laughs> oh, like, my God. Complete blinders on, right? So this is why I agree with them. The apathy, the, the fact that you live in your bubble, the fact that you still think your base is, is uh, this white woman will never vote for you or the majority won't vote vote for you the the way you tolerate people of color but don't center us and our concerns and ignore us and the last thing i'll say is if democrats if people are upset at you and me for having this conversation right now i'll give you one proof as as to why we're right we all know this is coming down the pipeline there's something called the voting rights act that can Mm -hmm. help save it Mm -hmm. we only have one year left Mm -hmm. redistricting maps just came out it's almost impossible now in georgia and ohio for democrats to win same thing that's happening in Wisconsin. Have they passed the Voting Rights Act and killed the filibuster, Daniel? Nope. I, I just like... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I, you know, they want to talk to me and us about infrastructure. They want to talk to us about these policy measures that Democrats are pushing. And I'm not saying they're not important. 
I'm not saying that I don't drive across cr- crumbling bridges and roads and get out in the airport in different countries. And I'm like, how is it they have all of this like modernism and technology? And I go back to America and I'm like, really? This is what we're doing? I'm excited right. about the addition of a Starbucks? The fuck? But, you know, these fundamental, the singular thing, the sing- if, they, if this administration did nothing else in two years, except pass voting rights, yeah, huge. It would be huge. It would be amazing, right? It would be what it would be the moment in our history books from now until the end where they said this is when democracy was saved. America was tiltering, as Idea said. America is backsliding, mm. but Democrats said no. The Biden administration said no. But do you know what they're saying now? Nah, nah. What the, what do the people care? Oh, the people will care about the child tax credit. They'll care about their fixing of their roads. Maybe, but if they can't vote and they have no voice and 2020 was going to be the last election that they were going to have, right? Like, I don't see how anything else matters. And this is why I agree with Larry Diamond. And I'm just like, it is the arrogance and the apathy because yeah. I believe that Democrats fundamentally believe that Americans are better than they are. I agree with you. They, they believe that, that it provided with enough information, oh, they'll make the good choice, right? They'll they always, it'll always be the better angels that will win out. And I'm saying, in what fucking world? What, what, what are you looking at? I would give them the Virginia election, right? The apathy and the arrogance was re- uh, represented by the Democratic campaign not to counter critical race theory because they thought it was so stupid and so outrageous that people would know better and they wouldn't do it. Well, I'm in Virginia. And let me tell you, I called it and I kept warning people. I said he's going to win. And now they're all shocked. And instead of doing the honest, brutal assessment, mm-hmm. the honest, mm-hmm. brutal audit and saying, how did we miss this? It was our fault. We waltzed in. We took votes for granted. We didn't have a counter message. We didn't get into the culture war. What did they say? You damn progressives and your wokeness. Yep. And your wokeness. It wasn't. I mean, that's yeah. literally what they said, mm-hmm. which is wild. Against Terry McAuliffe, the oldest, whitest, most centrist dude. And then you have to blame the wokeness. And what they're basically saying when James Carville and others said it is this is the translation. You blacks and browns. Shut up. Shut the F up. Yep. Go to the back seat. Yep. Let the let the big boys handle this, and you progressives are the ones who stalled the infrastructure bill. No, they literally tried to. They're trying to save Biden's agenda. It was because of Mansion, Cinema, and a few other centrists hiding behind them, who, if it were up to them, they would have gutted even BBB. And, yep. and let's see, let's see if BBB even gets there, right? But progressives, Jay Paul, and others actually were the ones who were trying to save Biden's agenda, and promote BBB and infrastructure, and actually help Americans, right? But they blamed, what do they blame? They blamed the wokeness, which is translation blacks and browns. Let's just be honest. Yeah. And, and, and so and, it's- And when they call ha- out the squad too, just yeah. let's just be clear. For when everything. they're calling out the squad for everything, right? And they're making that the center point. It is not just, oh, the black and the browns, but it's particularly black and brown women. Go oh, back true. and that's sit true. down and shut up. Yeah, shut up. Shut up because we are perpetually courting the Rust Belt white coffee drinker named Chad and we think we're going to win over Chad and Karen. And Chad and Karen, since 1965, hell, Karen from 1952, is not that into you. A majority of Chads and Karens aren't that into you. You just need 40%. And so I do think 
you know, like I've been, I don't know about this, Daniel, but like I've been talking about this the last week because of Kyle Rittenhouse. Now I get this, 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 this perennial banger. You are racist for talking about racism. And I yes. just got this beautiful email today. You're a race hustler and you're being divisive. I'm like, if there was a comment coming from the sky, do you want me to talk about, I don't know, the tulips or the comet in the sky? <laughs> if there's climate change, do you want me to talk about the warming of the earth? Or do you want me to talk about, oh, I don't know, this tasty IC I just had? Like, we have to diagnose the problem. And so what really is happening with those, those, those Democrats is they believe they're living in 1992 mm-hmm. and they can get away with the Bill Clinton model mm-hmm. and put us on the backslide. And not talk about voter suppression and not talk about police reform and not talk about racism and not talk about gender and just promote policy like BBB and infrastructure. And somehow they also say with their arrogance, we'll just outvote voter suppression. We'll rally the crowd. And these blacks and these browns, they always come out for us anyway. So they'll come out for us this time. And if they don't, we'll blame them. You know, so that also happened. You also saw the narrative. You blacks and you browns, how come you didn't come out for Terry McAuliffe? And I'm like, dude, the, the reason you only had a chance to win was because of us. Why aren't you calling out the majority of whites who fell for the, the the dog whistle? And so that's where we're at right now. So will Democrats figure this shit out? Will they get in the culture war? Will they kill the filibuster? And will they pass Voting Rights Act? I don't know, because we only have a year. We only have a year. Let me let me ask you this, too, because I, I think that this all coincides with the gossip mill right now around the vice president. Right. Mm. The, the, the conversation for the last couple of weeks has been, where is the vice president? The vice president isn't being utilized. She's been put on the back burner. And again, we just talked about and gave all of these examples of how uh, the squad and women of color have been made a target. Do you think that it is part of their strategy to have the Chads and the Karens forget that Biden's running mate, right? And vice president is a woman of color. Yeah. Like is it, and how do they think that they win by silencing her? Because it goes back to the thread. And if you look at the comments that we lost Virginia because we underestimated the white voters who won't choose policy insanity, but will choose white anxiety. And as such, we are losing the Rust Belt rural. You know, you saw the the outcome in Virginia. They just getting decimated with the rural voters. So instead of actually strengthening our base and giving our base what they demand and ask for, we're going to abandon them or tell them you stay on second because we have Mm. to save the country. And you as listen, every time this is why I think is hilarious. They always accuse black, brown, Asian folks of identity politics, which is comical in a country called the United States of America, where black people weren't seen as human beings and women weren't allowed to vote. And there was the 1924 Immigration Act that banned Asian immigrants until the 1965 Act. And there was a Chinese Exclusion Act. But apparently it's the rest of us doing identity politics. I digress. And even though the 2016 (laughs) election uh, showed repeatedly, like we said, every study showed that it was primarily racial and cultural anxiety of MAGA supporters, which made them go towards Trump, specifically his racism. But it's apparently us doing identity politics, right? Black and brown and Asian voters have not done identity politics. The reason why we went for Biden is not because we loved Biden. It's because the number one animating uh, uh, factor for Democratic voters was who would beat Trump. And we made the strategic decision that Biden would be better than Bernie because white voters would go for Biden. And so we tried to save this country from itself 
repeatedly. That's why you don't see black voters always saying, Alan Keyes, I'll vote for him. He's black. <laughs> That's a deep cut, by the way, for you kids. <laughs> or her, or the ghost of Herman Cain, I'll vote for him. Or Kamala, hell, Kamala Harris. You didn't see people say, she's black, identity politics. No, we're like, who is the best person for this country? And the one shot we had with a person of color who could win was Barack Obama. That's it. That's the only time we really went for him, right? A, a person of color. Mm -hmm. And so we're now telling you guys, we are the coalition, a multicultural coalition. You need to run candidates who inspire us. You need to run candidates who speak to us. You need to run candidates who will promise those types of progressive policies. And you have to sell those policies to a public that when you do the polling, they're like paid parental leave. That sounds dope. Free pre-K. That sounds dope. Taxing the rich, Danielle. Mm. Wildly popular. But instead of actually doing that audit, it's much easier for a white dude like James Carville to blame wokeness. And that's the arrogance, the apathy, and the ignorance. Of, oh, there's my baby here. You want to say hi to my baby? Yes. She agrees. She <gasps> so she agrees. And so that's the arrogance and the ignorance and the apathy of the Democratic base. And my, my fear is... We only have a year. We only have a year. I don't, and, you know, like, what, do you, what, what, do you, what, what can you and I do? I'm not an elected official. I don't have a TV show. This is what we can do. We can do democracy-ish. I mean, and that's it. Because at, at this point, we are democracy-ish, right? That's like true. We are. We, we, this, is, this is the ish. And, and the fact is, is that when you have the IDAs of the world that are saying, red flag, red alarm, You've never been on this list before. This is not one of those, you know, the most sexy. This is not the Forbes 50. This is not the list you, you want Rudd. to be on. Yeah. You ain't Paul Rudd this week. You, you don't want to be on this list, America. <laughs> like, and you are on it. If we don't raise the alarm about where we are, I'm just, I'm fearful that to me, Waj, and, and, and this is what I don't know if we have a year left. Mm. Like, I almost think that Virginia was foreshadowing that the continuation of doing everything other than the voting rights bill is just putting more nails in the coffin. And the fact is, is that Americans don't care about policy. They are more akin to rhetoric, right? And we don't give them the communication that they want, right? And, and, and they're susceptible to propaganda. That's also what the Virginia race showed you. They are susceptible to disinformation and propaganda. And I just, I, again, I, I'm saying, where is the vice president? Where is the, where is the person, the woman that said her entire campaign was about prosecuting the case against Donald Trump, mm. right? Why aren't we unleashing that vice president, that one that is going to make sure that the criminals are prosecuted and that our democracy survives? Biden can be over there doing the build back better and blah, 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 right? But I also need to know that there is somebody that is facing the urgency of now, and I wanted that to be Kamala Harris. I mean, you made a good point. Look, hell, I'm from California. I've seen the rise of her career, and I just forgot until now that she's a prosecutor. You know, and she's a woman of color, and people like tough on crime. That can work in your favor, right? And so what I you, – you touched upon something where I said, why don't you unleash your best messengers? 81 million people voted for Biden and Harris. 81 million. So why this is like a person who's totally afraid of themselves. They're afraid of their own shadow. Like that's why yep. I always feel like Democrats are afraid of their own yep. base and they're afraid of the term liberal and progressive. Conservatives are very diverse when you actually talk to them behind the scenes. They embrace conservative. They embrace the term right wing. They own it. Democrats do not own 
liberal or uh, progressive, and they do not define it, and they do not convey what it means to a voting base. So guess who does? The right wing, which says progressive means wokeness, and that means anti-white and too radical, and now you have dumbass Democrats using that weaponized language against Democrats themselves. And so I agree with you. I feel like the best messengers for BBB or the infrastructure bill is Biden and Harris for a week, side by side, white man, black woman, 80s buddies action movie, but updated, <laughs> you know, making the case. And you don't even have to say it. Then you look at the other side, you see old white dudes. You see Biden, a black woman. I guarantee you that will be something powerful for a lot of people. And especially Biden kind of empowering Kamala Harris, but then also Kamala, you know, respecting Biden. It just, it, it appeases all the anxiety of a bunch of folks, but also kind of inspires them. We voted for you. If you're not the best message, if you're not comfortable and confident promoting this, this this platform, why should I be comfortable? If you can't explain it, how the hell am I supposed to know about it? So I agree with you. That tag team and unleashing Kamala and just be like, I'll put it this way. You chose Kamala for a reason. Mm -hmm. She has her baggage. You knew that. Everyone has baggage. 81 million people came out. Now you're making the calculation like you always do that we're terrified of white anxiety. So now you're going to hide your asset that can actually win over women and women of mm -hmm. color. Mm -hmm. I say go all in. Own it. Go all in. I mean, to me, Waj, that is the message as we close out this year and head into 2022 that Democrats need to recognize what is at stake. And if we don't go all in, there won't be a next time. That's, That's right. just that that is just case in point. If we do not go all in, if we do not go after like who the foundation of the Democratic Party is, the BIPOC party, if we are not putting everything on the table and saying, you know what, let the fucking chips fall where they may. Right. But we are going all in to save our democracy. We don't have a second shot at it. We don't have a second shot at it. And the deadline's coming up with the 2022 elections. And if you don't believe me, like a bad James Bond villain, the one positive I'll give these Republicans is they're telling you the entire plot in the first act. They're literally telling you what they want to do. They're telling you they want to make America like Hungary, a nationalist country that is no longer considered democracy, ladies and gentlemen. Tucker Carlson of Fox News literally went there with this show, did his show, American show from Hungary, and praised Viktor Orban. They're telling you what they want. White Christian minority rule by any means necessary. And if you're, if you're going to stand in their way, by God, like good old boys, they'll take their gun, they'll stand their ground, they'll shoot you down, and they'll claim self-defense because it's their country and they want you to remember it forever. Thank you for listening to <laughs> Democracy. That's what you're going to end on. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm ending by, on by that. By the way, happy Thanksgiving and enjoy your turkey. <laughs> We will be back next week, God willing, unless my passport, I can get dual citizenship someplace else. Wajahat Ali, you are a gem. We appreciate oh, thank you. you. Thank you for inviting me and happy Turkey Day to everyone. Enjoy your family. <laughs> enjoy your loved ones. Enjoy the week. Find something to be grateful for. Mm -hmm.